Well, hey, everybody, welcome back. Another exciting episode. We've got a multifamily investor zooming in all the way from the GTA, an old friend, Paul Tannehill, who has over well, close to 30 years of real estate investing experience. <clears throat> you pretty much name it. Paul's seen it. Paul's done it. Paul's been around it. So, Paul, great to see you again, my friend. Long time no see. Yeah, thank you very much for having me here. It was great to uh, be on board with you again. Yeah, yeah. So so for, for folks that haven't had the pleasure of getting to know you yet, can you just kind of give us a few minutes overview of your real estate investing journey? When, What sparked you way back when to get into this whole wild and wonky world? How did you get started and what has that kind of morphed into? Um, at the beginning, obviously, I was I was with a friend that was purchasing homes uh, in the Scarborough area. Uh -huh. And uh, he he was house hacking, so he was able to live in it for a year. And while he lived in it for the year, we would renovate and fix it up, and then resell them. Um, so, then the so were you on as a money partner, plus rolling up the sleeves, swinging hammers, that kind of stuff, or or how did that look? Um, more with the uh, ten pound sledge and uh, <laughs> and then patching everything up. <laughs> so was this kind of a a sweat equity type deal you'd bring some manpower to the to the deal and you'd share in the in the profits that way or or did you actually put some money in as well no no i didn't put any money in it was just uh you know helping out and uh, increasing the value and stuff like that and uh, mm -hmm. uh it was uh it was the market was great back in those days and then we hit a you know uh the 1990 1991 when interest rates were 18 to 22% um and the market sort of fell off the cliff a little bit, but because of a strategy, it didn't, it didn't really affect them. It just didn't make as much money as we could have. Right. Right. All right. So then, then what did you start doing? How, and how did that turn into apartment buildings and multifamily properties? Um, yeah, that's sort of tricky. Uh, I, I, I don't know why I didn't get into multifamily much sooner, but I was sort of, I guess, chasing my tail in duplexes, quads, fourplexes and stuff for a very long time. And then uh, I was a passive investor for a good period of time when I uh, stopped my nine to five job. Mm -hmm. And then it's just been recently two years um, that I got into multifamily. The people that I was connecting with and my networking were sort of all involved, either borrowing money in multifamily, doing multifamily, and um, ever since, I just, I can't see myself doing anything but um, multifamily. Yeah. Right so, now. so talk to us a little bit about what does multifamily mean to you and what are you doing at it? What, what kind of deals are you doing? How, uh, wh what do you bring to the table? What part of the team are you at this stage in your career? Um, so the first year I was in multifamily, I was basically taking whatever position was available. If it was uh, bringing the capital or the asset management or the acquisition, um, whatever, and the deal that would come across, if it was, uh, you know, doing a, a burr, uh, buy, renovate, mm -hmm. refinance, rent, repeat, yeah, um, or wholesale. Obviously, if it was a good deal and I couldn't, you know, put all the pieces together in the proper time, then allow somebody else that was able to do it, uh, take the reins and uh, run with it. 
Yeah. So, so very kind of a flexible approach. And, and at this stage, Paul, what, what's kind of your secret sauce? What, what do you feel like you do differently or have more of an aptitude for than, than other folks that are also in the multifamily space? Um, that's a very good question. Uh, for myself, I think uh, some of my high um, assets that I bring to the table would be uh, my underwriting, mm-hmm. um, capital raising. Those are both very, very important components of the of the whole deal for sure. So Excellent. So walk us through a little bit about what capital raising looks like for you. What, what, have, how did you get started with that? Um, and how has that kind of morphed to what you're doing today? Um, my capital raise was just finding people, like-minded people that wanted to achieve the same things and just going forward and just seeing what we, we brought to the table. Obviously at that time, money was probably the key factor. Um, and then after a while, it was just more finding out like what people are looking for to get their money to work and then just sort of helping them out with that. Um, the more, the more people we help, um, I think it's the better it is for everybody Mm -hmm. in that sense. So, and how do you, what, what do you find works best for you for making those connections, Paul? What, what, what have you done in the past and to meet these kind of investors and and at this stage what are you doing are you doing syndication type deals or how do you bring investor partners on board for your deals so we've just been using uh joint venture agreements mm-hmm. um and depending on the province or the building or the investment uh depends on the uh the split of the uh, the investment either 50 50 70 30 30 70 mm-hmm. uh and also the the time frames and stuff like that. If it's a longer period of time, you would offer more equity. If it's a very short period of time, then that means there's a lot of uh, active management involved in that, where it would be like a, a job and a half or two jobs. So um, it would adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So yeah, so what do you find works best for connecting with these people? What, what kind of marketing, what kind of networking, what kind of outreach do you do to meet new investors? Um, I, I, I would have to say what I'm doing recently because it's hard to remember what I was doing prior, but I, I know that it was, uh, it was a good uh, system, but right now I'm, I've uh, joined uh, Wealth Genius in June. Mm-hmm. So for networking, connecting with people uh, has been very large all over Canada. So that's been very helpful. Uh, capital raise. Um, I took your program in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> so uh, that's helped uh, dramatically with capital raising. Um, when I came sort of into the multifamily, I the two things that I focused on was networking uh-huh. And education. So I dedicated like my first six to eight months just just in education and networking. So over the and last I've, couple of years, Paul, what uh what what kind of deals have you guys done in the multifamily space and whereabouts are you are you kind of focusing around 
Ontario or are you going across around the country? What what are you guys doing? So um, I think I think we're a little bit in love with Alberta right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, for myself, I've been involved with uh, maybe 150 or probably over 150 in the Alberta area mm -hmm. um, in the last year and a half. And then we like New Brunswick. I'm in a few projects in New Brunswick. Um, we're doing, uh, we've got apartment buildings and we've got uh, apartment buildings with retail, like variety stores, pizza shops. And uh, we're doing a new development there as well. Um, we have a half acre touching the college land. Um, mm -hmm. Nice. And then we have then we have stuff in Ontario. So in Ontario, we have some in the northern parts. Uh, we have one closing next month in London. And we're putting in a restaurant in the retail. And then we have uh, nine apartments above. We're looking at one we're putting under contract in Hamilton. So um, lots of good stuff going on and yeah. your role in these deals sounds like you're, you're a co-GP on a lot of different projects. Would, would that be a fair way to categorize what you're up to? Yeah. The, a lot of the ones that seems where I'm, I'm sort of focused I'm best suited for right now. And some of these projects, uh, I guess that's where, I see the need. So I've been filling in that, uh, that space, uh, new Brunswick. We just did a project, a 19 unit to a 23 that took us four months, which is mm -hmm. phenomenal. Uh, very happy with that project. Um, Alberta were, were, they're larger. They're like 20 to 90 units. So the time frames are much different, but mm -hmm. I love the two provinces. And then Ontario, we're looking at a longer term, but, uh, more solid of a of an investment so they all have their uh, their benefits for sure so how does that work for you paul because you've got multiple different deals going on in multiple different provinces is it always the same team that's bringing down these deals or you were are you kind of co-gping with different people in different provinces different flavors how does how does that look because it seems like you know it's a lot that's going on all at the same time yeah so um alberta i've worked with uh, a particular partner over the period of time uh, mm -hmm. i find he specializes in alberta so i love working with him yeah. but new brunswick we're in uh, three different cities so i have three there's three different teams i'm working with so it's not the same group of People like there's a couple maybe the same, but yeah, I would say the three quarters are different. They're new people. They're you know more specialized for those areas, right? Yeah. Um, Ontario, a variety, different people of different special out specialties that they bring to the table, right? And um, yeah, it's like well, that's that, that's that's very cool, Paul. So just from a logistical standpoint, for Somebody who's listening to this going, hey, that sounds kind of cool because Paul seems like he's involved in all of these deals, but he doesn't need to be the boots on the ground guy. He's kind of, you know, he's raising capital or he's underwriting, he's providing value there. Are you always investing your own capital in these deals as well? Or are you primarily, you know, one of, one of the working partners in these deals? 
Um, for some of them, I've just been the capital. Some of them, I've just raised capital. And some of them, if necessary, uh, I, 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 but I think more lately, I'm much more involved in the asset management side of uh, GPing or whatever the case might be, um, overseeing a lot of projects, uh, making sure the refis are going through properly. Yeah, making project, sure the project management are on time. type stuff, right? That's yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff. And so, again, for folks that are thinking, hey, that sounds kind of cool. I, I might like to try my hand at that. Can you give folks kind of an idea of how, do, how does one get compensated in those kind of roles typically? What does that kind of look like? Um, well, for, you know, acquisition, you can, there's an acquisition fee on to the investment, just like realtors get paid and stuff like that. Um, yeah. finding the deal, you know, running the numbers, putting the financing together, all the loans and stuff, the corporation, the accounting, um, usually there's like an acquisition fee of one to 3% of the price. So a realtor usually gets you have two realtors buying and selling realtors they usually get five so mm -hmm. um not no, all their deals are acquisition fees are very very fair that, that makes a ton of there's yeah. so much work that goes involved to getting getting something up and running for sure yeah and making sure that the numbers are going to work and that the strategies can be applied in that particular situation or province or something uh yeah there's a lot to uh consider the, the you know the more I learn, the more I, uh, I see that I can learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. To learn, to learn. Okay, still. So there's, so there's an acquisition fee, but typically that's getting shared amongst the, you know, the, the GP group, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how else, you know, even if you're working on a, on a big project, that's, that's kind of skinny. So are you getting an equity stake in the deal? If so, typically what does that look like? And, uh, yeah, so yeah. I, when I'm with the uh, the management side, um, depending, like usually it's fifty to seventy five percent of the uh, the investment. Um, holding uh, that, um, and that takes care of all of the 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 projects and the development of it, and securing the uh, the strategy, especially like a bird. There's a lot of there's a lot of mechanical moving parts in that um overseeing things budgets uh, that's the gp part uh, setting up the managers um, lots of different obstacles you can have with property managers um my one partner says uh hire slow fire fast mm -hmm. um and there's a good reason for that because um when somebody's not the wheels aren't turning properly uh there's a lot there could be a lot of damage yeah that needs to be uh, taken care of quickly it's like holes in a boat right <laughs> most definitely yeah. yeah 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 for sure oh very cool and then obviously you know you're, you're getting the equity share in the in the project um cat a portion of cash flow during the deal you know while you're waiting to refinance or or cash out and and how long are these projects usually that you're you're holding on to the projects um the shortest that we're doing uh it was eight months. Um, so that'd almost be then, like a flip then, really. Almost. Almost it seems like it. It was quite surprising. It was uh, 
it was uh, six units. So, and we did pretty intense work on it, but because of the uh, the acquisition, the way it was set up, and the having the vacancies and everything in place, and taking over the businesses, that we could move much quicker and and uh, that. But usually, we're looking at one to three years. Right. One to three years is probably. So it's not really a cash flow pay, play. It's more of a value add play. Yeah. And the uh, asset management doesn't make any, like doesn't really take any, there's no money to be taken until capital's paid back. Capital right. is basically the first priority before anything, there's anything to share on the table. Yeah, that makes sense. So Paul, yeah. you know, based on your years of experience and what you're doing, what what are your goals? What are your plans for the next 12 to 24 months? Um, I think it's more right now, I think it's just stabilization, just continuing the path I'm on. Um, last year was a very, uh, a year of growth. So the expansion was, there was a, a big expansion in the last year. And I think this year I'm just going to keep that momentum and focus on stabilization. And then I think that will create the, the proper foundation for, um, an extents of, of uh, growth. Excellent. And yeah. what are some of the challenges or hiccups that you you found along the road in these last few years that you've really started to focus on this multifamily type uh, investing that you're doing? Um, there's there's always something. Yeah. Um, every project has its own little thing. And sometimes people think, oh, that project was so good. And that was only because of somebody's experience that's on the team and was able to sort of oversee or see through that problem to resolve it very quickly. So it didn't really seem like much of a problem, but mm. we've had, we've had anywhere from knob and tube hiding behind the wall attached to copper on inspection to um, uh, uh, heat pumps that were heating the building to have pinhole cracks. When we opened up the wall, it was all, it was all starting to mold and everything. So there's so much that can't be seen just on a regular inspection that has to go a bit deeper and stuff. So yeah. having that experience and that insight is very valuable. Most definitely. No, definitely. And what have, what have been some of like a, a, in your journey as a real estate investor, what are some of the challenges you're facing right now or, or you see coming down the pipeline moving ahead? Um, I think one of the things is, is um, having capital prior to the investment, I think is a much, uh, much valid point. It's a lot less stressful. Yeah. Having, having your capital, uh, your capital uh, investors in place, and then you could, you can make and move much quicker and you don't get any of those small little stumbling blocks that might occur or your time frames and uh we we like to close fairly well mm -hmm. um and it just gives that stability in the investment and also we we raise more than just the acquisition we raise the uh renovation for the building as well and that's what gives us the ability to force the appreciation so we could pay back that capital much quicker no, that makes sense. So yeah, that's that's a challenge. The, the whole chicken and the egg, right? Because 
I don't know about you, but I've heard so many gurus say, hey, find a good deal. The money will find you. And I say bullshit to that. I mean, you <laughs> it's so much better if you've got those investors lined up ahead of time, kind of bugging you, almost biting at the bit saying, hey, Paul, when's, when's the next deal coming, coming along? That's yeah. so much better than having to chase after the capital when you desperately need it. Because that, you know, almost doesn't matter how good the deal is. If you really need that money desperately, that kind of oozes out of every pore in your body and it it can actually turn some people off. So it's kind of like getting a loan from the bank. They're happy to lend you money when you don't need it, right? But <laughs> yeah, when, when you, you need really it, need it, that's that's when they get persnickety. So wherever this is what we always you'll recall from our training and everything. It's like, hey, if at all possible, get those investor ducks in a row, get those lined up first or at least at the same time that you're doing the deal. So in your case, Paul, yeah, you're in the perfect situation because you're cons you got consistent deal flow. You're always doing something. You're always involved in something. So it's one of those things that kind of has to go hand in hand, right? You're, you're underwriting deals. You're looking at properties. You're managing your current portfolio. And at the same time, you need to be raising capital and staying in touch, staying top of mind with that, what I call your constant, consistent edutaining communication with with your investor prospects so that you're you're always having those capital conversations you're always getting people engaged and enrolled in your deals what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah uh, definitely um you know and the, the chicken or the egg i think i think the egg came first <laughs> and that's that's the money um deals there's there's plenty of deals there's plenty of strategies but if 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 you don't have the money to take care of like when we had those unexpected things if we didn't have that case we did have a renovation loan but also we had a renovation loan with the bank yeah. and if we didn't have that extended amount accessible to us then that would have put a complete stop on it and then somebody would have came in the middle and said listen these guys can't they can't finish the project wow. just pay them 10 cents on a dollar yeah, and yeah. that would be a that would be a tragedy. Yeah. It would be a Yeah, great so it's not there. just it's not just squeaking in with the exact amount you think you might need. It's having that cushion, it's having plan B, plan C lined up as well so that you're not under the crunch. Yeah, and I find like a lot of the people I try to help people underwrite their projects and a lot of times they they buy the building for market value the roof needs to be done in the next two years. The staircase needs to be done. And I'm like, where are you going to get the money from? Like, yeah. it, the, okay, it cash flows today on, on the buy, but it's not sustainable. It, yeah. it, it's not sustainable. So if you don't have the money to properly maintain that building, it's only a problem six months or a year down the road where all of a sudden you're going to be, you're going to be needing hundreds of thousands of dollars to properly feed the investment so it could do what it's supposed to and do. And don't don't count on it increasing in value hundreds of thousands of dollars so you can just do a quick refi to get that money, right? That's that's the thing, right? And then depending on the market people are in, they've just been so accustomed to the go, go, go days, they might not understand it doesn't work the same way, especially with multifamily. Yeah. The thing I like about multifamily compared to a single family, really the division I see it as it's more logical yeah. and family real estate, like duplexes, quads, all that stuff. It's very emotional. 
So all of a sudden the market goes up because everybody's loving it. Um, and everything goes up because they fell in love with the kitchen. And then all of a sudden they unfall in love with it. And then the market just drops where yeah. multifamily is more, much more stable because it's just based on incomes and rents don't just go up and down overnight. Like right. it's, it's way more stable. Plus you're dealing with uh, multiple units. You're not taking those highs and lows. They're much more, uh, much more balanced it's yeah, much more stable asset no yeah, yeah it makes a lot of sense there paul well hey congratulations on making the transition in, into the multifamily and hitting the ground running getting educated really steeping yourself in there and then pulling the trigger and taking massive action that's fantastic yeah. so if people want to Thank connect you. with you what's the best way for them to to do that paul uh, Facebook under Paul Tannehill, Instagram under the end is only the beginning or, uh, POA investments.com. There you go. Awesome. Paul, thanks for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun. David, thank you very much. It was great being here again. All right. All right. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode.